0: But like sometimes I would stand there and he just wouldn't bend over and I would just be standing there.
1: Another episode of the Geekscape Games podcast. That's right, uh, we're back with another episode of the number one video game podcast on the Geekscape.network. Network. Uh, this is Level One Fifty Nine. You look like a really out of shape Ryan Reynolds. Uh, Who does? Yep, I am. De- <laughs> well, I'm sure I'll get to that story later, but it's probably apparently me. Apparently me. Um, anyways, uh, that uh, sultry voice you just heard was uh, series regular Josh Jackson. Hey, everybody. How are you today, Josh? I'm good. how are you? I am doing all right i am I'm stoked it's uh the sun is still up, and we are starting this recording and uh I feel like that's turning up a new leaf for us
0: yeah, well, it's pitch black and there's a police helicopter outside, so nothing's changed for me, but it's good to hear that it's <laughs> that it's still sunny how is
1: it how is it pitch black? It's only nine o'clock and we're in the same time zone I have no idea, but I guess you're thousands of miles lower than I am so that probably has something to do with it yeah that's true uh uh anyways the uh rest of these uh hosts could not make it so that's why it is so silent and nobody's offended yet but yeah uh i'm i'm derek and uh i don't know let's let's jump in what do you say yeah let's just jump straight into it we i got a chance to play
0: a lot of stuff this week so i'm pretty excited to go over that
1: me too but before we do that uh, I just wanted to take a moment to speak about uh, a game that we played previously, and that game is Detroit Become Human. Uh, I don't know if you are, if, you, if you're a subscriber to the Geekscape Games podcast, uh, be that on Apple Podcasts or wherever else podcasts are available. I don't know where that might be, uh, but uh, just this morning we published our special bonus stage Uh, i think it was the seventh bonus stage we've done in the almost four years we've doing been doing this podcast so apparently for that to happen it has to be something pretty special this time it was detroit become human uh we played it uh josh myself courtney and my fiance michaela uh, took part in that podcast I feel like it was a really like is a really interesting discussion just about the game about you know the morals of a lot of what was happening in the game mm-hmm. and uh it, it really amazed me like like I thought it was interesting enough playing the game and then watching Michaela play the game and, and just see how different her story could be. And it seemed like all of us played vastly different games. And that's really, really cool. there's there's so much, so much going on in that game. Um, It's a spoiler filled episode. If you have played the game and uh, would like to hear some other people talk about it, definitely jump in there. Um, But if not, I would say it is worth picking up. It is worth playing. Uh, And then give us a listen afterwards.
0: Yeah, like that was one of the things that I took away from it, too. It was like each it's the same game, but each of our stories differed so drastically on certain parts. So that was just a really cool thing about it. So if anyone's Mm -hmm. played it, like definitely don't listen to it if you haven't played it yet because we're going pretty much over almost every possible or at least it felt like every possible outcome that the game has but
1: at the, i'm all there's got to be so many more there was so many blank areas in my flowchart. uh yeah it's super spoiler filled though we had some somebody commented and they were like yeah i had to stop three minutes in so um yeah but uh i think you and i liked it actually michaela loved it too but you and i liked it quite a bit and i think it's definitely worth uh worth a pickup uh let alone a playthrough so yeah for sure yeah but aside from that what uh why don't you jump into what you've been playing
0: all right so outside of detroit um i'll go a little out of order from how i wrote it but i guess i'll start with shadow of the colossus since i was talking about it last week where i had the uh, so i had the apparent unpopular opinion that like i feel like it came off harsher than i meant to i Mm. did say at the end of what i was like the end of my point last week, I was saying how I liked You Really it. upset,
1: Jake. Yeah,
0: I know. Jake was Jake was very <laughs> upset, and Jake Jake unsubscribed and then subscribed just to unsubscribe
1: <laughs> again. But he was he was like, "I was... hope you guys invite me back so I can say no." That's what he said.
0: <laughs> uh, today would have been a good day to do it too, but <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, like basically, like what I left off on last week was I was like, I think. 10 or 11 Colossi in and I was saying that I was enjoying it for what it was but it was nowhere near like the levels of hype that I had heard about it over the years and like between the three Team Eco games I thought it was like square in the middle like far inferior to Eco but way better mm-hmm. than The Last Guardian which I really really disliked and now that I've finished it my overall opinions is pretty much the same um, I thought that it was going to be a lot higher once I got to the, I think it was the very next Colossus after we had done the show mm-hmm. where I think, I don't remember their names at all, but
1: it me, was the yeah. one where oh, it was like yeah, me in,
0: but it was the one where you're in the desert and it's like this flying, like this flying dragon thing. And it has like these air sacs on its belly and you're supposed to pop them and which makes it sink into the sand. And then you're supposed to like ride on the horse, like, um, like side by side with it and jump on its wings while you're moving on the horse. And that was like the coolest thing that I had done in the entire game at that point. And then it felt so (laughs) rewarding because like a lot of the Colossi it's like, to me, the game felt like it was essentially a puzzle game that was disguised as an action game in a lot of ways. Cause the, to kill them was just basically like you had to figure out some kind of, some kind of trick. Like each one had some kind of specific method to get them To Mm -hmm. get close enough for you to be able to climb on them and get to their weak points and all that. But this was the only one up until this point where it actually felt like, like felt like a fight, which made it feel really rewarding once I was able to pull it off. I think this is the only one too that I figured out fast enough without the voice giving me uh, hints. You know how if you take too long, they'll eventually start giving you hints. I do, yes, yeah, yeah. And so it was just really cool to be able to pull that off, and it made me feel such like such a badass. And I was like, all right, like if the rest of the game is like this, I can kind of see where the praise comes from. And then like the very next it was like the one of the worst ones <laughs> in the whole game. I thought where you're like, you're like, <laughs> and that's like that's a problem with games. I mean. I can't think of any examples right now, but I'm probably thinking of um, last guardian more than anything, but like the very next boss you're like in this Lake, which there's only two of them, two out of 16, but the two that are in the water were just so, so boring because those water or the swimming mechanics, it's like they're swimming in slow motion Mm -hmm. and it felt really, it felt like a chore to get around and you're supposed to swim to these little islands and then like stand in front of the island and wait for the colossi to come to you. And then he kind of bends over so you could climb on his head. But like, sometimes I would stand there and he just wouldn't bend over. And I would like, sometimes he would do it right away. And sometimes it would take like two or three minutes for him to do it. And I would just be standing there. And it was just like, it was just really, really frustrating. So that like back to back, I feel like I got the best and the worst of the game. Mm -hmm. So like, I want That's fair. And then I'm not going to go like in, I'm not going to go one by one, but those are two like examples that stood out to me because that kind of exemplified both the best and the worst of it Mm -hmm. so like once i finished it i thought the ending was really i thought the ending was really cool like i don't know if we well screw it it's like
1: a it's like a 15 year old game (laughs) i don't think you need to worry about spoilers yeah but it's
0: like you know it's not like it was a big surprise because they pretty much tell you right in the beginning if you go through with it something terrible is going to happen so it's like all the colossi is like spirits go into you and you become one essentially and and then they end up sealing you, and your girlfriend that you were trying to revive comes back to life, but you're apparently dead. Shit. And in the post credit scene, it's like you're reborn as like a baby, which it kind of hinted that either he was Eco or that he was like an ancestor of Eco, which I thought was really cool. Uh, okay. Since he like in e- uh, did you ever play Eco at all?
1: I did. Yeah, Eco. I played not since the PS2, but I have I played and finished Eco.
0: Yeah. So it's, like, one of the first things I noticed is how when you killed each colossi, like, its shadow would be standing over you when you would be unconscious in the temple. Mm. And the shadows looked exactly like the enemies in Ico.
1: Yes, they did. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And then I know the story of Eco is, like, like, children with horns are born every so often and they're considered cursed. So then they lock them up to essentially be sacrificed. And mm. it's, like... It's not, none of it's explicitly said, but you could pretty much draw like I don't think that him being reborn as a horned child and the shadows looking like the enemies from Ico was a coincidence. So I thought that was a right. really cool way to tie him together to where it's almost like Shadow of the Colossus is a prequel to it. Which got yeah, me to like fair. which got me like diving into the internet and reading <laughs> like 10, 15 year old threads about how, oh like how the how they're probably afraid that one of them's gonna be reborn as the Colossi and that's why they're locking up all the children oh,
1: that's cool. and all
0: that kind of stuff and how the witch who's like the witch who's like chasing you and the girl is like probably trying to like find a way to revive them or something like that so yeah it, i mean all of that was really cool and i appreciated how it linked to eco and everything but like still and i kept putting the like this disclaimer when i was talking about the game last week where i was saying uh like i'm trying not to judge it with 2018 eyes i guess but I was talking about it with my friend, the same friend who let me borrow it. And he liked the game a lot more. He likes the game a lot more than I did. He's pretty much, he hasn't outright called it like a masterpiece, but he's like, he was like raving about it while he was playing it. Mm -hmm. And then when I was kind of talking to him about the discussion we had on the podcast, he like, I was telling him some of my complaints, like, especially the, how like empty the world is and how it didn't really feel like there was much to find. Sure. And then he was saying, well, and he brought up this point, which I thought was a good point where he was like, well, He's like, well, it's kind of like how Breath of the Wild's an empty world, but there's a lot of stuff to find. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to compare it to Breath of the Wild because that's a new game. And then he was like, well, look at Ocarina of Time. Ocarina of Time came out in 1999 and kind of had a world like that too. And I was like, yeah, you're right. So it's kind of weird to me. Like, again, I really like it. I don't see it as the way as people like say that it's like an all time Mm -hmm. great game. But I'm really glad that I played it. It was really fun and rewarding. Once you, and because you that.
1: you didn't play it before,
0: right? You didn't play it on PS2 or three, right? I have it on PS3 and never played it. Um, yeah, I I played in beat Eco twice, like back when it first came out, like before it, before anyone even really knew what it was. I just remembered yeah. that it was on a list of like games with bad box art, and then I saw it at Blockbuster <laughs> when I had the pass for unlimited rentals. Yeah. So this is before it kind of got its cult status. So I just kind of picked it up on a whim and there was nothing else to rent. And I pretty much just noticed it because of the bad box art. (laughs) Then I rented it and I like blew through it in a day. Like I was completely hooked and I played it again. And I feel like eco holds up really, really well. Whereas like, again, Shadow of the Colossus is fun, but I don't think it's anywhere near as good as eco, but it's way better (laughs) than Last Guardian, which was just a chore to play. I thought, did you ever play Last Guardian? I don't remember. Or did you finish it?
1: I did not finish it so it's actually a point of contention between Michaela and I because it was one of those games and you know I do say it quite regularly I guess but like you know I'm always like oh this game I need to get this game I've been waiting for this game for years and games take a long time to come out so a lot of the time that's the case but it's especially the case with the Last Guardian because yeah. when was that announced? Like a decade ago. It was announced. Uh, well, it
0: announced towards the end of the PS2, and then it got shifted to PS3, and then
1: yes, yes, and then it was it, pretty
0: much canceled, and then they revived it on PS4 essentially because people just kept asking for it
1: yes uh yeah so it came out she got it for me for christmas and i played it for like one hour uh, and you know i needed it i can't wait give it to me early i think you're getting in for me for christmas but like just give it to me because i have to play it right now like blah 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 yeah uh and i played it for an hour and i don't know why i only played it for an hour because what i played i liked the controls were i just remember the controls being super fucky like they were bad but but what I was playing and and Trico was Trico seemed incredible. Mm-hmm. And the game also the game ran not well on the original PS4 console. It kinda felt like trying to play Shadow of the Colossus on the PS two. Like <laughs> it just was like, oh, if you just had a little bit more power, this would be okay. And now I have a console with a little bit more power in the PS4 Pro. So maybe it's time to give it another shot. But I, I remember liking what I was there what was there, but I also didn't play it enough to really like get out in the open or really like do all of that much right um at this point i like barely remember that hour anyway so i probably need to start it again <laughs> um but yeah yeah, yeah. And every time every time it like anytime you know that game flashes by in you know, like a playstation ad or anytime anybody mentions that game or whatever like i just get this like look like she's so mad but she's not mad yeah but she might be mad like and i bring it up because when i again when i
0: was looking up reactions and stuff to shadow of the Colossus from years ago um like probably my biggest complaint is what i was talking about earlier how some of the some of the colossi just are supposed to perform certain actions so you can advance and sometimes they just don't do it and right. one of the defenses that i kept reading in forums and stuff was that they're supposed to be they were designed to be like living beings so they're not supposed to listen to you every time or do what you want them to do every time even though like you're doing everything right on your end <laughs> and it makes them seem more like realistic and alive which i think is terrible for a game because if it's reliant on them doing what you want them to do and if you're just yep. standing there forever and you have no control over it it becomes really frustrating but i thought it was kind of funny cuz i read that same argument for Last Guardian when i had played it and i was reading people argue whether or not it was a good game or not mm-hmm. and It's like the same as Shadow of the Colossus, but so much worse because like almost all of the puzzles revolve around getting Trico to do what you want and like you have buttons and commands to encourage Trico to do certain things, but a lot of times he'll just completely ignore you. And that was an intentional thing by the, I read an interview where the developers were like, well, we wanted him to behave like a real animal where even if you have a pet dog who knows all the commands, they're not going to listen to you a hundred percent of the time. But yeah, like, you know, fair. when you're standing in front of a wall that you need him to climb and you're just shouting at him for five minutes and then you just start swimming in a pool instead, it's like, <laughs> it's really, really frustrating. And then especially because even more so than Shadow of the Colossus, like in Last Guardian, like it's really trial and error. Like you have no idea what you're supposed to do until you've just come across the right thing to do. And there were so many times where I would have, I was doing the right thing. But since Trico was unresponsive, I moved on to something to try something else, oh, only to run yeah, in the cir- run in sense. circles for forty minutes, and then eventually get <laughs> frustrated and try the same thing again. And then just, now it just works because he decided to listen. Like it was, yeah. So yeah, not to go too much off topic, but that's kind of the gist of my feelings on Shadow of the Classes. Like not as good as Eco, way better than Last Guardian, but it kind of shared pros and cons of both. So it was kind of interesting to see. Like kind of in retrospect, how they kind of evolved from eco to Shadow of the Colossus, and that admittedly it was such an ambitious concept in mm-hmm. twenty in like two thousand five or whatever it was, and then
1: even they now, probably I couldn't add anything to the world because the PS two couldn't run it. Right. Yeah. I'm, o- I'm like, almost like one more tree, one more tree, and this world's broken.
0: Right. And I'm almost disappointed now too that now that it's out on PS four that they didn't add any of the. Cause I saw there was like six Colossi that were in the game originally, but they had to cut them mm-hmm. from the PS2 version. So I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't add any of those in the remaster, but overall I really liked it and it's definitely worth a playthrough. I just would temper my expectations, but, um, spe- and then as far as on the subject of expectations, I spent a lot of time finishing up the Splatoon 2 Octo expansion. Which, Did
1: you finish that level when um, you were stuck on
0: yeah, but I switched weapons like I was playing yeah. it on there's like an, a lot of the missions have easy, normal and hard and each one gives you more money. And so I just dropped mm-hmm. it down to like the normal difficulty because I was the mission that I was playing. I think I was talking about it before, but they wanted you to shoot targets while you're grinding on a rail. Yes. And if you miss any target or if you're late hitting a target, you'll fall off the rail and die. And there's like 30 <laughs> targets. I think if you you have to do the stage perfect.
1: Yeah, you said if you miss one, you fail, basically. Yeah, and they cost like coins or something like that. Mm-hmm,
0: yeah. So, like the way that I was trying to do it on hard mode, it was with a sniper rifle that you had to charge up. So it's like while while you're grinding on this rail, you also had to use your you also had to charge up your scope shot to do it. So it was just Jeez. too frustrating. So I switched to uh, just like a like an automatic weapon, and that worked a lot better. But then there was another mission that was almost exactly like that, except it was balloons instead of boxes and all the weapons are sniper rifles. So I didn't have a choice. <laughs> like all three difficulties are pretty much just as hard as the next. Yeah. But yeah, I got through them. It wasn't required though, because the track that I needed to find the, the fourth thang to complete the four thangs to escape the, <laughs> to escape <laughs> the subway that you're trapped in came through. But on our group chat, I was saying that it might've been the best DLC ca- like DLC I've ever played and
1: yes i I saw you say that
0: yeah and this might not this might not mean a lot to like pc players who grew up back in the day when like expansions are these huge things or i guess even compared to games like the witcher i know it had a really big expansion that people loved but to me especially since it's in the shooter genre and not like an rpg like usually with dlc nowadays it's like you pay five bucks for a costume or 10 -hmm. bucks for a stage or a pack that gives you a subscription essentially to new weapons over time but one thing I've always always appreciated about both Splatoon games, both 1 and 2 is that they keep releasing stages and weapons for free. So with this expansion, I think it was like 20 bucks and it gave you this huge single player campaign. It's advertised to have 80 stages, but then there's actually 87 because like yeah. the last after you find after you complete like the main story uh section, there's like a fi- a seven a final set of seven levels before you get to the last boss, okay. and then if you hundred percent it and you beat all of the stages, like both the ones that are required and the ones that aren't. There's the secret boss that I talked about a little bit last week, and I still haven't a hundred percented it yet, so I haven't got to that boss. But I'm pretty excited because I keep reading people saying, "Oh, like I've been playing games for twenty years, and it's the hardest boss I've ever played in a game." <laughs> Jeez, and I think it's it's really cool the way that they did it because, um. I might have talked about this two weeks ago, but I'll go over it again just in case. But essentially in Splatoon 1, you created a character and you use that character in online, but you also used him in the campaign. Mm -hmm. And then so in Splatoon 2, in the story mode, it's pretty much a retread. But your character from Splatoon 1 is kind of treated as this legendary figure who's like off on some other adventure, which is why he's not there. Mm, And so in this one, he rescues you at the end. And like, do you, do you care too much? if We talk about spoilers on this. I do. I do not. Okay. So like the, the four things end up being a blender, like pieces of a blender. Okay. And then, so they tell you to get into it and they're about to like murder you and like chop you up. <laughs> and like the character, the main, ca- they ask you what the main character from Splatoon one looked like, like right before you go to this scene, because mm-hmm. they give which I thought was cool. They give you a chance to recreate the exact same look. Oh, that Splatoon makes sense. 1. Yeah, yeah. So then he rescues you, but he gets knocked unconscious and then gets taken over by the bad guy who you have to fight in a essentially like a one-on-one Splatoon battle as if it was the regular game, but they have like unlimited specials yeah. and like a bunch of lives. So it's a really challenging fight. And then like the whole thing, you remember how we were talking about on our mission objective post-apocalyptic worlds? Yes. And I was saying Splatoon was a really interesting one because it's like this bright, happy like you know child friendly game but the lore behind it is like oh humanity went extinct due to global warming and all that stuff so there's a couple of different like subtexts to the story on the expansion one is that you're playing as the oct like the octopus or they call them octolings in this game Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and they're like the enemies of the squids that you play as in the main game and it's essentially based off of like an old war that they had but it's like one of the characters from splatoon one is in this one he's kind of your guide yep and he's like you if you read the optional dialogue that he's having with the two like the two girls that host the levels in splatoon 2 and there's all these like racist undertones to it which people (laughs) always joked about it online like oh like the squids are racist against the um against the octo mm-hmm. like the octolings and they segregated them and all this stuff and are they really the bad guys or are the squids really the bad guys so there's all these like conversations where he's like saying all this like stereotypical racist stuff where he's like oh like you can't trust those octolings but this in one in particular is is cool because they listen to the music i like yeah and they're, and they're like oh and he keeps saying like oh i'm not i can't remember what he says he's like i don't he keeps saying i don't see race like every time someone confronts him about being racist, yeah, he's like, "Oh, I don't see race," and then something will pop up right after. Where he'll be like, "Ah, oh, kill all the octos," <laughs> and it's like really, really weird. In like this in this kind of game, and uh, like essentially in the ending, they kind of tell you that, and I guess this is supposed to imply that maybe the grudge that he was holding and the missions in the core in like the main campaign where you're supposed to kill the octos, they were pretty much. It was pretty much just him being paranoid and like living, kind of living in the past because they were saying that all the squid people that you play as in like the online game, oh, they just play for fun and they accept the octolings and they can't wait to see them integrated back into society to see how their cultures blend and all this stuff. So it was this really, really like weird, interesting commentary that you that completely caught me off guard. Like I wasn't expecting them to come yeah. in really close to that. Yeah, it was pretty weird, and it was really weird. But then. More so than that, like the last boss of the game, it's like this whole, this whole plot was by an AI created by uh, this, I guess, this human professor that created the AI to monitor um, life after humans went extinct. Okay. And so then the AI went rogue and he determined that since the squids were like, were racist and they would f- have fights over petty things in splat fests and <laughs> and only cared about fashion that he decided that he was just going to wipe out wipe out all uh, life and start over again and then the reason why he was trying to have you collect the pieces of the blender and then blend you up is because you were like the 10,000th it's kind of it had this really strong portal vibes but you were like the 10,000th subject who completed the completed the trials and every person who completed the trials, he was like killing them and blending them up to mix their DNA to make like the perfect life form to oh, continue life after he wiped out, like wiped out everybody else. So it's like this really weird thing. And then, so the, once you, once you escape, he like the AI takes over like the statue of Liberty, which comes out of the ocean and is essentially like been mechanized. <laughs> and so he's collecting solar power in the statue of Liberty to like wipe out all light like all life on earth at that point to start over again and you're supposed to it was a really cool touch because every mission (laughs) did you ever play metal gear vr missions or anything like that uh yes so the game like the main game is kind of like that where each mission is just like a takes like a mechanic from the main game and has has it put in a certain scenario and a lot of times it's really challenging but it's kind of meant to test
1: your skills from the main game I I actually I played Metal Gear VR missions first Uh because I went to like the game rental store and like grabbed Metal Gear Solid but they put the VR missions disc in oh and so I didn't (laughs) and at that point I didn't realize that they were like separate things and so I popped it in and I'm just like what does like what's all the fuss about this game like there's not even a story and then like tried to look it up online afterwards and then I realized that I was playing the wrong game
0: yeah right but, like, you get the idea, though, where it was, like, it was just short missions, but they would, totally, like, yeah, yeah. test your abilities to use the mechanics well. So, like, the last fight with the Statue of Liberty, I thought it was really, really cool that instead of it just being a mission, it it kind of puts all of your skills and asks you to, like, put them all together in a actual Turf War mission, which, if you remember in both Splatoon games, like, the main mode is Turf War, where you're supposed to cover up the ground. Totally, and yeah. It covers yeah. up the most ground wins. So it goes back to a traditional turf, uh, turf war mode, but you're supposed to cover 100% of the Statue of Liberty.
1: Oh, that's and cool. It's,
0: and so, like I guess back to referencing Shadow of the Colossus, you're like climbing this huge statue and searching for these ink bombs to blow up so it could cover like wide areas of space. Yeah. And you only have three minutes to do it because three minutes is how long a turf war lasts like in the main game. And it was just really cool. Like It was really rewarding pulling it off. The music was top notch. Like the music has always been one of the highlights of Splatoon, and the soundtrack was just on firing on all cylinders on this one. Uh, like you know, it was cha- the game as a whole, and including like the ending sequence, was challenging, rewarding. It had a really interesting story. It had this extra lore that went a lot deeper than I ever expected. That game. Yeah, itself. that's crazy. And then like for every for every like each set of missions is separated by a by like a subway line, since it's taking place in like a hidden subway. And if you complete all the missions in a certain line, you get a piece of uh, clothing from this other side character. Okay. So, like, if you beat the main story, you unlock the Octoling for regular play. And for every line you complete, you get a piece of clothing to where I think it equals out to three full outfits. Okay. And then I think I remember reading, if you beat the secret boss after you 100% it, that you get another full outfit. So, oh, wow. So, like, on top of the lengthy storyline and almost 100 missions... And all of that, then, and the new character you get, you get like four costumes that you carry on to the main game. So like with all that considered, I just, once it was all over, I was like, that might be the best DLC I've ever played. And Eventually, all of that for
1: 20 bucks, you said too. How how long do you, would you say the levels took you to, to complete?
0: Well, each level's not that long, but the challenging ones, you're going to keep dying and replaying. And especially if you're trying to 100% it. Okay. So I would have, I didn't really keep too much track, but I pretty much played it all day at E3 when I was in line. And then started playing it at work on my lunch break. So I would say that to get to this point that I'm at, it would probably have been about, I want to say maybe six six hours or so.
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. Probably
0: between six and seven. And there's still, I think, 12 levels that I haven't finished. And yeah. then if the last boss is as hard as people are saying, I'm probably going to be fighting it for just as many hours as it took me to beat the whole rest of the game. <laughs> that's not so bad. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you usually, especially nowadays, you either, you're you paying for costumes individually and you're paying totally. for characters individually and you're paying for levels and campaign content individually. Totally. Like this game was like 20 bucks. Like You get the costume, you get the character, you get this story mode, you get the really well done story with the really well done levels. And like aside, from the, my only real complaint is there's some real strong difficulty spikes at certain point, like those yep. missions that I was complaining about. Yeah, come, yeah. Yeah, you said you didn't have really much easy...
1: of a you said you didn't have too much of a hard time until those hit, right?
0: Yeah, like it was and they were like not even just that, but they were right before really easy missions. Yeah. So it was like sometimes the difficulty would just wildly fluctuate. Like it doesn't really go in a linear fashion where it gets progressively harder. It's just like all of a sudden it could be way harder. And granted it is in a non-linear it does have a non-linear progression system like once you hit certain forks in the road you can decide to go different paths yeah so you don't have to do the hard ones and also they made it so that if you fail a mission twice you get the option to just have the game say that you cleared it without actually doing it so you could just skip it and still get the credit for people who just want to enjoy it but you know i'm not going to do that so (laughs) like i feel like i want to get the most out of it by just playing it through totally but yeah if you got. If you have twenty dollars lying around, and you have Splatoon two. Like I feel like this is like a no brainer. Like you absolutely should pick it up. And if you if you don't like play Splatoon right now or for whatever reason, like if it ever goes on sale, like there's no reason not to get it. It was so much fun to play, and I'm still not done. Yeah. So,
1: yeah, that's awesome.
0: So hopefully I could report on that secret boss next week. So. <laughs> but yeah, and then just to speed through my last two, Street Fighter five came out, and this is kind of touching on news a little bit. But Street Fighter five came out with a big update this week. Which finally included the ability to save your progress on survival mode, which has been a complaint since the game first came out, like, two or three years ago now. Oh, wow. Like, to put it into context, um, the only way to unlock certain, like, alternate colors for your character was to complete a 100-character survival mode where the characters would horribly spike at, like, the 50th fight. And if you lost, you had to start all over again. Yeah. And even getting to 100, it took, like, two hours of just straight play. Oh, wow. So after all these years, they finally added an ability to save it in the middle of your progress, and they added new items that you can use during survival mode to help make the game easier to complete. But on top of that, you get those items through a new like fortune telling mode, where it's pretty much like Fire Emblem War, or Fire Emblem Heroes, or Final Fantasy Brave Exvius, or any of those like gotcha, gotcha mobile games, where you pay a certain amount of money. In this case, it's fight money, so it's another way that Capcom's trying to drain your in game currency so you can't use it to actually buy the characters. But they're doing it now where you can do like a random poll where you can get either costumes or alternate colors or items for survival mode at random by paying a certain amount. And the hook is that now apparently they're going to have a new costume that's exclusive to that. Oh, mode, man. And it's only for a limited time, right?
1: So you have to buy, 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 buy until you get the costume and it's totally random? Yeah, so that sucks. And when you run out of, like, for instance, so you said you that's like fight money. When you run out of that, it, are you paying for more of that, or are you paying to unlock the characters then because you spent all your money on fight money? Or well, you spent all your all uh, your fight money on on this gotcha thing.
0: I'm not sure yet because I had enough fight money to to buy as much as I wanted, which like which I'll say how much I spent in a little bit. But I didn't see an option to spend real money. Okay. But fight money is so limited in this game now, like once the arcade edition came out, they got rid of like a huge, like a bunch of different sources to unlock it. Yeah. So like I'm I'm presuming like almost everything in the, no, not almost, definitely everything in the game. If you don't have enough fight money, they give you the option to pay real money for it. So I'm guessing there's a way to do it on this for this feature, but I haven't, I didn't see it because it, it didn't give me the option since I had enough fight money to spend. So the costume they're giving away for the first round is, it's called a uh, Cannon Spike Cammy, which is almost the exact same as her default costume, but with slight variations. And it's modeled after this beat 'em up called Cannon Spike that she was a star of, that oh, was cool. a Dreamcast exclusive. And it's like it's so it's super obscure, like, and I think it's pretty expensive now.
1: The game, the game is,
0: yeah, yeah. But it was like this top down beat 'em up where Cammy was the main character, and you could unlock all these. Side, like you could unlock like Mega Man and Arthur and Charlie from like other uh, Capcom games and stuff. And the cool thing about her costume is she has different quotes where she references Cannon Spike, or if she fights um Nash, who was a secret character in it, she'll talk about how they fought together once on that mission or whatever. So I really wanted the costume, I didn't want to spend a lot of money. I told myself. I'm just going to pay for one for one bundle. You could buy it either individually or like bundle a bundle of 10 draws. So -hmm. I told myself, I'm just going to buy one bundle. And if I don't get it, then whatever. And then I bought one bundle and I got it. So that was (laughs) that was like the best luck that I've had in one of these games in a very long time. That's pretty rad. Yeah. I stopped playing Fire Emblem Heroes because I it I went for like two months without getting anybody I wanted. So. This definitely um, made up for it. I'm just hoping that my luck will continue because I'll probably spend like I'm I'm crazy about costumes in that game. Yeah, but I haven't paid any real money for any of them yet. So to have that temptation is probably going to kill me one way or another down the road. <laughs> and then lastly, and I'm sure it'll help segue into what you're going to talk about. But I right before the show, I finished playing Captain Spirit, okay. uh, or the Awesome Adventures of Captain Spirit, which is the um, prequel to Life is Strange 2. Now, when you downloaded it, did it initially just say Life is Strange 2 demo?
1: Uh, So I actually got Michaela to download it while I was at work so that I could play it when I got home. So I have no idea.
0: Yeah, it was really weird. Like when I downloaded it pretty much right when it released, but I didn't get a chance to play it until today. Okay. And I was... Confused because when you looked it up on the PlayStation Store, it just said "Life is Too Life is Strange Two Demo."
1: Okay, and I was I, like, "So what? I don't like, think it did." Because I grabbed it from, like, for instance, I I grabbed it from the store, the Xbox Store on the iOS app, and then got Michaela to turn the Xbox on, essentially, so it could download. But it, right away when it came out, I searched for Captain Spirit, and that's what it came up as.
0: Yeah, like I think I searched for Captain Spirit, and then the top result said "Life is Strange 2. But then when it downloaded, it like fixed itself. And then, then when I went back and checked in the store later, it said Captain Spirit. So okay. maybe maybe that was just some weird thing in the PlayStation store. But yeah. Um but I played through it. I thought it was a really interesting setup, but I thought like a lot of it was pretty dull. Like mm-hmm. it felt like nothing was happening until pretty much the very end. Yes. And it and it took a really, really long time to find like what I was supposed to do because I think in re- like if all you wanted to do is advance the story and see how it ends, I don't think it would take very long.
1: Yeah, I can see um,
0: that. But like the game gives you all these—I didn't know they were optional at the time—but there's all these optional like uh, goals that you could accomplish, yeah. like completing his superhero costume or fighting the monster that he's that he's imagining fighting, and like just to talk about the setup a little bit you're it's just essentially this 10 year old boy who has a alcoholic father who's heavily implied to be abusive and the dad's just pretty much watching sports the whole time and then you're just trying to find ways to entertain yourself by playing superhero and so there's they give you a series of of goals to accomplish and i don't know if you get anything special for accomplishing all of them i think i accomplished all but two and then i got kind of tired of just looking around everywhere right. so i so i stopped playing but yeah like finding each like solving each of those um tasks it's like some of them led to absolutely nothing some of them led to like some major like plot uh plot points and and different background information on some of the characters but It's like, it didn't really, I didn't really feel like it, I didn't really feel like it got interesting until like pretty much the very end, like when you trigger the ending.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: And so, and it was cool too, because there's different, there's small nods here and there to Life is Strange 1. It's like, you find, you can find a photography book by, um, uh, Mark Shepard or whatever his name is. On, um, I'm blank. Um, Mark jefferson
1: jefferson right right right. yeah
0: you can find mr jefferson's like photography book um you find out that your character's mother well she she was was like a blackwell
1: student right as well and then became a donate like then became someone who donates to the school which is super interesting
0: yeah and and it also takes place in roughly the same like area yeah it's another because
1: the first game was in oregon as well right uh I believe so. Yeah. Or, or, or washed. Oh no, maybe it was Washington, but those are pretty much right next to each other.
0: Like there's like a lot of interesting nods here and there. Um, the way that it ends definitely hints that there's going to be some kind of supernatural, like,
1: no, Ar- Arcadia Bay is in Oregon as well. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um, and then I'll let you segue, you know, your thoughts of the game, but I guess the question I'll ask you is do you think the way that the story plays out and how it's kind of in the same setting and there's zero mention of Arcadia Bay getting destroyed, do you think that kind of makes the, like, save Arcadia Bay story, like, the official, like, canon story?
1: That is a great question.
0: Because you pick up a newspaper and they talk about, like, police brutality, but there's, there's, like, zero mention of, like... An entire city getting wiped out, yeah, and you would think that even even you know if it's a long past event, you would think there'd be some kind of like reference or something, of something somewhere, like that.
1: yeah, that's true, well, and especially if they're both in Oregon, it would be like that's a close to home thing, right, so that's a good point. I kind of just thought that they were just separate universes. I didn't actually i it hadn't crossed my mind that potentially it was the same world, um just because and I don't know I don't know why I thought that actually, because it was something where it's like. They're like, okay, Max and Chloe's story is done, blah, blah, blah. We're moving on to new characters. And I just for some reason I just assumed that it meant it was also a different world. And that'll be interesting if that's not the case. Like, will you see the repercussions of, you know, whatever the true storyline is? I fucking blew the shit out of up out of that town. So, <laughs> like, you know, I like that would be really interesting to to read about or to see in passing or whatever. Um No, I hadn't thought about that. It's interesting. mm mm-hmm.
0: And did you like the thing that I took away from the most? And I don't, I don't want to talk too much in detail because I'm it just came out. And it just came out. Yeah, yeah. not played it yet. But did you catch the? I think the most like striking scene to me was when you supposedly visit like the supervillains' home planet.
1: Yes, I did. And catch they explained the, oh, kind of yes, how he yeah. named
0: the character, and I thought that was like super heartbreaking.
1: Yes, yeah. They fucking. Uh, one, I I feel like as well like did the what did the did the trailer allude to any of this or did the trailer was the trailer just like like i feel like i remember the trailer and i was like i'm so into this and the trailer showed this like kid like pretending to be a superhero and do like like using his powers and and his dad's like what are we going to do today kiddo and then you're like oh like wow this is going to be really interesting like but i bet that kid's mom's dead like that's what i thought at that point yeah. and then the game fucking opens and like you, you know like you see it's it's fucking breakfast time and you see the dad like he's already three beers in and you're like oh my god like my heart is breaking already like oh my gosh why do they do this why do we put and then uh, like Michaela Michaela sat down and kind of watched me for the first few minutes of playing it and as soon as this like as soon as that breakfast scene opens up I'm like why am I playing this like why do we play these games like these are so sad but like that's (laughs) also all I want to play
0: yeah and it's funny too that you mentioned that like I had the exact same like reaction, but kind of in the opposite direction because I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm jaded. Maybe I have no soul or no heart. <laughs> maybe I've maybe I've died inside long ago. But at the same exact scene, I like look over to Megan. And I was like, let me guess. Like the mom's dead and the dad's abusive and they're just gonna <laughs> manipulate our emotions. Like here we go again. Like I was like, I don't know. It's like you know. I feel like media in general has just gone this really like negative route to the point where i'm kind of like numb to it at this point and it's kind (laughs) of cliche to me yeah so it's like you know in in life is strange it's like oh chloe's dad's dead All like all these horrible things like the with and funny that i mentioned this as an example but walking dead telltale games all these terrible things happen (laughs) walking dead tv show people die every five seconds like last of us every character you introduce to dies by the end of the chapter they're introduced in and it's like so yeah like not that that took away from any of the emotional impact like I definitely felt terrible for the kid in the ending, and in that scene that I was talking about, where you've kind of learned how he named the supervillain. Yeah, he's yeah. Chasing, so it's not like I didn't have any emotion to it, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, like, oh, here we go again. Let's see how they're gonna. Let's see how they're gonna try to make me better. Feel grab this my time. Kleenex. Yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. But yeah, but what were you? What did you think about like? like the gameplay and all of that.
1: Like... So, so similar to you, is that, that's it for you then?
0: Pretty much. Yeah. yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. So similar to you, it was like, like I started the game and I, then I was super in right away because it was fucking more life is strange. And like just the opening of the game and the music that they chose. And it's just like cutting to like different outside shots of this kind of crappy house. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like this is life is strange. I'm so excited. Um, But, yeah, it was something where, like, I feel like the beginning, like, through the breakfast scene and and introducing these characters and whatever. So the beginning and the end were super interesting. And then the middle was super boring. Like, it just felt like there was. And I don't know if it's something because it was just this, you know, tiny teaser, this tiny taste. Like, the whole game revolves around. Like, the setting doesn't change. You're in the house or you're outside the house. Um like there's not a, there's not too much else going on in the entire entire demo. Um and it's mostly like it's like it's much less linear than the previous like the actual life is strange episodes were because they had so much more story to tell. Like essentially you you get through the opening scene and then there's like a tasks menu and you have like six things that you can go and do or or whatever. Uh but they're kind of like ambiguous as well like because this is a kid um like he has written like it's all in, it's in his imagination so his description of what the tasks are are often they're like totally different and so i felt like i was i felt like i spent most of the game wandering around trying to just interact with anything that could be interacted with and then i would be like well i still don't know where this part is so I, then i would like walk around and start doing it again and i don't know if it was just me or if it was like it, it was just hard to find the stuff uh a lot of the time like like oh, no. finding it was last... it wasn't just you okay all right <laughs> like and I, so
0: I, I... oh sorry i was just gonna add like i felt like I scrutinized this demo way more than I ever scrutinized Life is Strange 1, and I still somehow 100%ed Life is Strange and still (laughs) was missing, like, two things in this.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was this. And I feel like had... It, the reason that that more that that middle chunk felt like that is because it was so long and it took so long to find everything and had it been easier or had that stuff been more right in front of you i feel like it would have been fine cuz it was this kid you know this kid getting ready for his day and then like playing playing with his toys and doing stuff outside and blah 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 like like all of that stuff is interesting but it was and and the scenes at the end when i finally found the fucking seven pieces excuse me the seven pieces required to do whatever like once i got to that scene the it, like or once i got through to that point the scenes were interesting but the process of getting to those scenes was not um and and so it was it almost kind of dragged on for a long time but then like then the ending basically happens and i'm like fuck yeah i'm in like let me play this again mm. right now like uh i can't wait for life is strange 2 i'll pre-order two copies like oh <laughs> i'm so excited for that um yeah. And, like, it's 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 hard to talk about without spoiling it, of course. But I feel like we, you know, at the very end of the game, we see a couple of other characters. I wonder if potentially one of those is the main character of Life is Strange 2. Um, I mean, we don't, like, the game comes out in three months, and we don't know anything yet. And uh, three months, June? Yeah, three months, because the first episode will launch in September, which is so soon, and we don't even know... The characters at this point. Um, also, how much must Don't Nod have grown since the first game to have just released Vampire like a few weeks ago and to like now be releasing the first episode? I mean, I guess like it's just the first episode, so they they don't have to have that much of it done at this point, but still, that seems like a pretty quick turnaround from, uh, from Vampire at this point. Um, but yeah, I think they, there was a lot of marked improvements in this versus both uh before the storm and the first season of the game um i thought things like the like the graphics looked everything looked a lot sharper and i and and it could be for instance i don't know if it's because i was playing on the xbox one x whereas the first game and before no before the storm i played on the one x as well um i feel like it looked cleaner it looked sharper Um, they've again made improvements to the, the lip syncing, which I know was a, a a negative point for a lot of people in the first game. And it did get vastly improved in, in before the storm. Um, it also seems to like, it seemed like it was running at 60 frames a second. So it was like super smooth on the one X, which was really, really neat. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's hard to say too much more without kind of really starting to spoil it or break it down. But I feel like. It was a good introduction to this world. You know, The I think that it's probably not the last we'll see of Chris, um, which is cool because he's an interesting character and, and and he has an interesting life and I would like to see things get better for him. Um, but it's a do not it's a, it's a don't not game, so it'll probably get much, much worse.
0: I wonder if he's going to be the main character or if he's going to be, like, the Chloe of the game where he's the one you're, like, trying to save from this
1: horrible, like, life with, like, this series of, like, of tragedies see i would like that is the the second one the latter there would that would probably be what i would lean towards just because i feel like if chris was the main character why would they not say that like why wouldn't they be like here's your main character from life is strange 2 and here's an introduction to his life like for for him to be the main character like and them to not say anything that just kind of seems weird right because they, they didn't introduce it as, you know, your introduction to life is strange 2, it just said to the universe, to the world that they're in at this point. So, so I don't think it makes sense for him to be the main character, uh, that being said. Yeah,
0: for sure. I agree. And it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. Like like you were saying, I'm completely hooked at this point and I'm going to see what the main game is going to look like. I'm just hoping, and I'm sure it will be, but I'm cuz it's not going to be confined to one environment, but yeah, yeah. Like I'm I'm really hoping that the main game is going to have like it's gonna feel like a lot more exciting and dynamic. Totally, this
1: one. and I think it will. And it's it's. I don't know. It's gonna to be tough though. Like I feel like I was so attached and so connected to to Max and Chloe and Rachel. Like it's gonna feel weird to have them not involved at all. Um, you know, like I as much as their story was complete and their story was done, and as much as I loved seeing like. The, you know, the Rachel and Chloe stuff happen in the Before the Storm prequel, you know, in the farewell episode, which is short, but like like a great bookend to the series or, or to the to the series for these characters and also like full of fucking heartbreaking moments. Um, I, Like as much as it is closed, I would love them. To, I, I would just fucking play Chloe and Max games for the rest of my life. Mm hmm. Uh, they're such interesting characters and they're they're hella cool and they're uh super well written. Um I, I threw a hella in there just for Shane because <laughs> uh he really didn't like the their their teens speaking uh in the first game. Their teen uh, speak. Their speak I, that oftentimes yeah. felt
0: like it was written by middle aged. Old Frenchmen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh but yeah, I was hella cool with it. So I cannot wait for more. Um, did you have anything else on Captain Spirit or was that pretty much it for that? Uh, not without going into spoiler territory. So I think, I think, I think we're pretty much good on we that. We should cap it off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, speaking of don't, not the last regular episode, I think it was, I talked about playing vampire and how I was feeling about it so far. Um, and those feelings were that I was interested in this world, but I was not super invested yet. And I felt like there was way too much talking, especially to open the game. Um, I haven't played it since. So, uh, I don't know if that's, I just got, I mean, Detroit came out afterwards and I got super into that. I don't know if it's just that I'm not that into this game or that I'd rather play almost anything else. But, um, you know, that's, I feel like that's saying something. I do intend to go back to it. I do intend to play some more. I am. I am interested in it. I just haven't loved what I've played so far. Um, But hopefully I'll have a little bit more on that one next week. Um, The only other game I played, and then I've kind of got a a, a bit of an event to talk about. But the only other game I played, I played a bit more God of War. Um, I think this would have been the first time I actually had really played it much since getting the uh, PS4 Pro and it's it's gorgeous uh i'm i've chosen kind of the the resolution mode so i'm playing it in 4k and it's super sharp it it, it was it was a beautiful game on the like i was playing it on the standard ps4 before and i was so surprised with how good it looked especially the hdr like the colors and the contrast on the lighting and everything this game is absolutely brilliant um but yeah i probably, i probably put another hour or two into it i feel like it's like I don't know. I I don't know how I feel about it at this point. Like, I loved... I, I feel like it feels long. And it feels long in that, like, sometimes when I'm into a long game, like, you just want more and more and more, and it doesn't feel long. But I feel like this game, I'm super invested in the story, but it's getting to the point where I'm getting kind of bored of the combat. Like there's only, I feel like there's only so many times I can fight these like giant trolls with like stone pillars and, and you know, like rip, you know, ripping these like other dudes apart. And it's like, Oh, now there's new dudes except they're the same old dudes, but now they're made of <laughs> f- f- ice instead of fire or whatever, you know, vice versa. Um, it's, it, which is interesting. Like, I feel like at this point I am, I'm pushing through just because of this story is fucking fabulous. And I, I, just want to see what happens to them and and everything like that. And, you know, I got the, like, uh, this is a bit of, it's a bit of a spoiler. I won't, I'll try not to spoil it, but I got the secondary weapon. Um, I, you know, I don't know if there's more weapons after that, but I got the secondary weapon uh, and have been playing with that. And it made the combat kind of feel fresh and kind of classic God of War. Um, so it felt kind of, the combat felt new again for a little while, but that's kind of faded and, and, aside from now having to flip back and forth between weapons depending on like the type of enemy that you're fighting it, it's it's like losing me a little bit and it's it's interesting because I don't want it to because I you know I it's it's a it's a fabulous game and and the story is like, it's up there like it's it's just such a such a small it's not not small but such a focused and such a personal journey for these characters like i'm so invested in in the journey itself i just would like i feel like at this point i'd rather just watch it than play it and i don't know did you feel like that at all it went during your playthrough like at this point it just feels like it's so long and no yeah
0: i was gonna say i'm actually thrilled to hear you say that because like I feel like nine times out of ten, like, in the case of games like Last of Us and The Shadow of the Colossus, like, we were just talking about, especially when it's, like, a big hyped-up, you know, AAA game, like, you and I usually have, like, different opinions on it, but everything yeah. you're saying is, like, exactly what I said on the <laughs> God of War podcast. That oh, no way. Courtney, like, I, I still thought it was a really good game. I would have probably given it, like, a nine out of ten, but. Yeah. Like, people who are giving it. And it sounds like you had even bigger problems or got even more bored of the combat than I did because I never got bored of it. But I never felt like I never felt like I had to put any variety into how I fought, especially like when you said, I think in the podcast, I did say that the golems or whatever they were ogres was like my least favorite part of the game. Because the only way to really fight them was to just stand back and like throw your axe at them and then retrieve it and then throw your axe at them and (laughs) and retrieve it. Well, the, for, like on... I
1: feel like the first few were like oh shit these guys are really cool and you gotta like you know their their giant pillar thing is super strong but then it's like how many of them have I fought now and how many more do I have to fight before I can fucking see this story through
0: yeah and that's how I felt like um I felt like that was a problem I feel like this game fixed most of the problems I had with the original God of War series but one of the problems one of the big problems I had with the original was that There wasn't a whole lot of combat variety, and for the most part, like the attacks and weapons you use at the very beginning are still the best ones to use in the end. And I feel like in that aspect, this one was worse, where your axe pretty much can kill everything until you get the secondary weapon, where they specifically say that the secondary weapon is the only thing that could harm certain enemies. (laughs) And then so you switch to that, but it's like, like you pretty much play the game the exact same way at the end that you do at the beginning. And even... I think maybe I, I wasn't as bored with the combat as you were, maybe because I was playing on hard. So I had to be a yeah, lot more on my true. toes and things would like one or two, hit, like even basic enemies would constantly like hit, kill me in like two hits. So I had to be and, like and, and
1: it could be, that could be part of it. Cause I feel like it's, like the combat is not often be, and I'm playing on normal. The combat is not often challenging. Like it's, you know, sometimes on a boss I'll die once, but then the second time I fight him, like that's it. I'll, I'll beat him that time or whatnot. And through the standard combat, like it just feels like it's getting in the way and it's making things longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's that that said, I just went through, like, a puzzle section that I was super interested in, and, like, the I feel like the puzzle design when it's there is excellent, Um and that does feel varied, but it was, like, like, between each section of this puzzle, I'm like, oh, now i got to fight, like, 50 more dudes, and it's just, like, like I just want to turn combat off at this point and just, like, find out what happens to Kratos and Atreus. Like, like yeah. their story, they're great characters, the game is so polished, and their story is so interesting, but, yeah, at this point, like, at this point, and I oh, I only felt that the last time I played, so maybe I'll go back, like, tomorrow or whatever, and I'll be in a different mood, and it'll feel fun again. But um, it just feels like it's dragging on a lot.
0: No, and yeah, like how I mentioned previous podcasts, too, when I was going through it, I was like, I really hate when games, like, lie to you and, like, bait you into thinking you're done, and then they say, no, just kidding, you have to go here instead. And that happens, like, a ton of times in this game. And I think <laughs> that kind of... Echoed that kind of like amplified that feeling that you had because, like, towards the end, I was like feeling like I was tired of fighting these enemies, Mm -hmm. like, especially because. And that's another thing I mentioned on the special we did too that I didn't realize how big the discrepancy was between normal and hard.
1: Like, it felt like I
0: jumped three difficulties because I was watching Megan play it, she started it on normal, and she was just getting like she was taking all these hits from like the first boss and was fine and i think i could only take two or three hits from him before being dead and i was Mm, like okay this feels more like the gap between normal and like very hard or like normal and extreme not like normal and just hard not like just one (laughs) level above so like yeah so yeah i felt the same way at at a lot of points especially when it started getting towards the end and like the third time or so that they told me i was i made my goal but not really and I was like, yeah, all right, yeah. I was like, just let me see how it happens to them. I That's all I really care about at this point. Just stop throwing enemies at me. I don't care anymore. <laughs> like, I've fought that. Like I said, I fought them the same way at the beginning as I am now. Yeah. So I'm not being challenged in any new or exciting ways. So just totally. It. Yeah. yeah, So, yeah. yeah that... And it
1: just, sorry. Yeah. It just feels like, uh, like at this point, if I, w- if the story wasn't so interesting, I probably wouldn't pick it up again. And did but you... the story is so fucking interesting that i just want to get through it like i need to get through it
0: yeah and did you play the original god of war games
1: i did yeah i don't remember them i don't remember that much of them yeah at this point because it was what well, it was like 2004 or 5 or whatever right um so i played was was god of war 3 on the ps3 yes okay so i only played one And was there three on the ps2 or just two like, two on the ps2
0: two on the psp and two on the ps3 but the second okay. on the ps3 was a spin-off so
1: okay so i think i played i played god of war one and two and then one of the psp ones and i really did enjoy the series back then or i remember enjoying it although i always felt like i was just playing like a reskin Rygar the legendary adventure which is one of my favorite ps2 games mm-hmm. um you know the the blades of chaos just kind of felt like his uh what's it called like disc armor or whatever yeah um So, yeah, and and it was, like, the same where it was, like, gods and mythology and blah, blah, blah. Uh, So, I always felt like it was – it felt like a rehash of that, but with more sex and violence. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I I remember really liking the series back then. And this one, I feel like – I like this one way more than I ever liked those original ones. And it's because – it doesn't feel like it needs to be on this crazy epic scale. Like it's just a super personal journey. And I feel like that's, that make like those journeys make for the most interesting video games or most interesting stories in general. Right. Like, and, and, and this is, they're telling the story fabulously. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. maybe if changed. I flipped it up to hard. But and now it's like, I'm bored of the combat. So it's like, if I flip it up to hard, it becomes challenging again. But then it's also going to take longer, which means I get through the story slower. So it's like a catch-22 at this point as to... yeah. Or you, you could know, always flip
0: we... it down to easy and just have
1: it... Just just rush through, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I, the whole reason I brought up the first God of War is like... And I feel like I'm retreading a lot of the things I said on the special. But since you're getting farther, now I get to talk about it with you, which is super <laughs> exciting to me. But, um, like the thing that drove me to keep playing is I felt like Kratos finally had the character development that I thought he should have had after the first one. Okay. yeah. So yeah. it was really cool. Like I wasn't even really, I mean, I was to a lesser extent, but I wasn't really following Atreus all that much. Like I was just super interested in like, how has he grown and learned and evolved from sure the, from the character he was in the original games. Cause like, especially the ending of the third game was like, he was kind of, Confronted with all the horrible decisions he made over the course of the previous game. So sure. I thought the scene where you get the secondary weapon and he's kind of confronted with that again, I thought that was really cool. That might have been my favorite scene I, in the whole game. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, now I am at the point where he's kind of opening up to Atreus, and like it seems like he's less guarded around him, and they're just they they actually seem like they're bonding. Like I just had a moment where Atreus basically has to save Kratos like from from dying, basically, and it just seems I don't know their dynamic has really changed, and it's it's I don't know it's kind of heartwarming to see his character kind of turn around and to open up his heart to 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 his son. Um, yeah, I mean, it, the story is phenomenal. I, I love it. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, aside from those games, um, I I played a little bit of other stuff. Played some of the like Jackbox games. I had some friends over; those are always a good time. Um, they go on sale like all the time too. I've seen; I feel like I see them on the PlayStation Store regularly for like five or ten bucks a pack, uh, and they're they're always a lot of fun. Uh, but aside from that, so we had a uh, I was off this past Saturday. Took the day off work to head to the Vancouver Retro Gaming Expo. Um, had some friends come over from the island. we went over to it was at this like like small ish local convention center that I had never been to before um it was pretty cool it was like like first when we first walked in and it, it ended up that it was like multiple floors but you first walk in this thing there's like a bunch of booths like people selling old games like ranging right from like Atari stuff to like booths that have new stuff as well and a lot of collectibles and a lot of foreign and like Japanese and European stuff Um, but when we first walk in it looks tiny like like it's like $25 a ticket to get in when we first walk in I'm like okay what are we going to do in half an hour when we're done here like <laughs> like it just looked it just looked tiny and um, so we kind of went in you know and there's a lot of cool like like there's like artists and, and people that make clothing uh, like the video game themed clothing and all this sort of stuff so that stuff was all pretty cool we just kind of walked around the booths um, I the only thing I picked like I didn't pick up much and it, it's interesting because I used to this is probably going back how old am I now this is probably going back like 12 years but I used to have actually a pretty big retro game collection um, so I like right from, you know, I think I had like, I think I still have a couple of Commodore 64s in like my parents' basement, uh, type thing, but, but I had like every classic console. I had so many games, um, like just so many. And, and it, this was at a time I started collecting it at a time when it wasn't super, like now I feel like there's so many classic game, like to the point where you can have a retro gaming expo. And I don't know that this was the case 12 years ago, but, um, I just remember my dad and I would go to like garage sales around our town and just find these like gold mines of like, like old people selling their like kids consoles for like $10 for like an NES and like 45 games and all that sort of stuff. And, um, That was that. That hunt was almost just as fun as like collecting and playing them. But um, I ended up getting my rid of that collection a few years later. Um, It's kind of in like a. There was actually in the local museum at my town, at the town I grew up in. There was like a video game themed um uh exhibit at the museum that my dad had put together and so he had the collections of a few of the like a few local collectors there and my stuff all ended up in there um and that that ran for about a year a year and a half or something like that and it was cool seeing all that stuff there but it just once it once it kind of got taken down it felt like a bunch of stuff was like damaged or missing or whatever and um it's kinda I, I just kinda lost the heart for it after that, just because just looking at what I had and then what it became. Uh, I kinda lost the heart for it all and so it kinda just sat in boxes and I kinda moved and I moved again and then one day I just brought it all to a pawn shop and was like like just boxed like probably like five or six like big boxes just full of cartridges and consoles and everything like that. And I think I got like a couple hundred bucks for it and and then I'm going to this thing and I see like like so many of these like cartridges that I had that are like a hundred to two hundred dollars each, and like like now people sell NESs for like a hundred dollars. And there was like I, the, I think I had a box of, like ten of them at one point that I just like handed to this pawn shop and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh no, I threw so much money away. Um, but going to this event and kind of seeing all of that, it also like it made me miss it, and I was like, I I, I end up I the last couple of days i've been like looking at some old shit on craigslist and i'm like should i try that should i pick up an nes again or whatever and uh i don't know i don't know i don't know what i'm going to do but it was interesting being in that environment um the coolest part of the day it was cool they had some like video game themed bands and stuff there which was pretty neat um but the coolest part uh they actually had the owner of the essentially like nintendo slash sony playstation prototype um which I don't know if you know too much about that. Do you know that story um, at all? Yeah, how
0: Nintendo essentially created the PlayStation by like backing out of the deal in favor of the CDI at the last second.
1: Yeah, yeah, and so at at the time, they were, they like, Sony and Nintendo had collaborated to the point where there was 200 prototype consoles produced um, that were essentially, they were Super Famicom consoles, uh, and then they had this disk drive for, like, the PlayStation element. So it was, like, a, a PlayStation, or a, a CD add-on for the Super Nintendo, basically. And um, the story basically goes that, like, he so the guy that was the head of sony entertainment at the time ended up going and working for this bank which then or banking company which went out of business uh and the owner of this prototype whose name is terry uh he also worked for this company and he was essentially they were they were bankrupt so they were auctioning off all of the 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 stuff from the company and uh, this Terry guy, he had packed a bunch of boxes, and he like from the boardrooms and stuff. So there was, he said it was all this like super nice like cutlery and, and dinnerware and stuff like that that looked really expensive and was like had not even touched. For instance, so he planned to go to this auction to to buy some of this stuff uh, for cheap so that he could like have new dishes and stuff like that. And so he he bid like seventy five dollars uh, for what he thought was just going to be these boxes of plates. Uh, And then he went to pick it up and um, when he picked it up, there was like way more boxes there. And he was like, you know, I I think something's wrong here. Like I thought it was, this lot was just supposed to be a few boxes. And, and it turns out that they had combined a lot of the lots so that it would go quicker and they would have to do less work. And so he took all these boxes home and uh, started going through them. And in one of these boxes is this Nintendo slash Sony PlayStation. Um, And this was back in 2009. And he, didn't have any idea about any of it. And he threw it in his attic, essentially, um, because he didn't have any use for it. And, and, you know, who wants this old console? Uh, And uh, then it was in 2015 that his son was browsing Reddit and there was like a today I learned on Reddit and it was talking about this PlayStation console that was a co-production with Nintendo. And you know, in the comments he's like, Oh yeah, my dad has one of those in the attic and the entire internet's is just like, fuck you. You fucking liar. Like <laughs> don't be an idiot. There's none of these exist. They all got destroyed, blah, blah, blah. And, and, You know, he went and he got his dad to pull it down from the attic. And sure enough, this was the, this is the only existing, uh, as far as the world knows, this is the only PlayStation, uh, Nintendo PlayStation prototype. Um, and it's super fucking cool. So it's got, he's kind of traveled all over with it at this point. He, he, he did a panel at this, uh, expo, which was super interesting. He basically told the story about how he got it and, and what he's done with it since. And, you know, he kind of travels around. Um, a lot of these conventions bring him in because it's like this kind of holy grail in gaming and and it's this device that had it worked out or whatever like the gaming landscape as it exists today would be completely different which is pretty crazy to think about but um he's a super interesting dude he basically sounded like this like he sounded like a grizzled old war vet almost like just telling this like story about how he got this thing and all the shit that's happened since then and um when he got it, it actually wasn't functional. And, um, with the help of this engineer named Ben Heck, who, uh, he, he, documents a ton of stuff on YouTube. And actually there's a few episodes specifically when this Terry guy was there with Ben and they, they replaced all of the capacitors in this unit so that it could power on again and everything like that. Um, but the crazy thing is like he he talked about some of the offers he's received to for like from collectors to buy this thing and and it started like right from the get-go like right when it kind of went public that he had it he would get these offers for like hundreds of thousands of dollars and he he even talked about i think it was like a european collector or something but there was a european collector that offered him something like what what uh what I exchanged to something like a million dollars U S or just over a million dollars U S. And he did not sell it for that amount of money. Um, you know, he, he, he basically said, you know, everyone has their price, but I haven't heard buying yet. But his big thing is that he, he thinks this thing's important and he wants it to get out there. And so he travels to these things. He's not fucking shy with it. Like, like we were, we fucking played super Mario Kart on this Nintendo PlayStation prototype, which is unbelievable. Like, I remember reading about this thing t- like like years and years ago and, and thinking how crazy that was. And then like he fucking let me hold it. Uh, and so this, there's a picture of me holding it. We ended up posting it to Reddit the other day and it got like 60,000 upvotes, um, which was crazy. And uh, all these comments, it was interesting because like the the post that I put was like, you know, today I got to hold the Nintendo PlayStation prototype, like probably the most valuable thing I'll ever hold. Valuable in like money because he's been offered like a million plus dollars for this tiny, like fucking box essentially. And, and there's only like, there's only like four comments. And that was like, it was like, you should hold yourself. Like you should value yourself more. Or like, what about your dick? Or like, (laughs) I guess you never touched a woman or, and, and, uh, and then like (laughs) that, those were, those were the most common comments for sure. There was a few other weird ones. Um, a couple people messaged me and were like, Oh, you're really cute. Like, can we talk? And oh, I was God. like, Oh my God, I need to leave the internet. Uh, and then <laughs> someone said that I look like a really out of shape, Ryan Reynolds. And, <laughs> and it was kind of like a, it was like a compliment and an insult all at once. Um, that just means you got to get in, but shape. I mean, I know, right. He, then if you I like just walk uh, on, which the, means if I, yeah, then you could just walk on the
0: reset the... and then just, you know, <laughs> no one will know the difference.
1: I, yeah, right. It was like the motivation. Like, I've been working out a little bit and eating out a little bit better, and I've gained quite a bit of weight in the past couple of years. I mean, I've had some shit go down and and just kind of let myself go. But um, as you heard from the title of a couple episodes ago, I shaved my depression beard, and now it's just a regular beard. So, uh, you know, everything's coming up Millhouse. But uh, super interesting guy. Michaela ended up talking to him a bunch afterwards, and he she talked about potentially him coming on the show. So we're going to try to set that up for sometime after Comic-Con because I feel like, um, you know, he's been on a few podcasts, but that story was so interesting, and I think that um, the people that listen to this podcast were would love to hear it and i'm sure that we could come up with some interesting questions to uh to ask him as well but yeah like super like the console's super interesting cuz it like even um i don't know if you saw the picture of the controller that i i think i posted it somewhere but it looks just it's just a super nintendo controller but it has an almost final looking playstation logo on it like like this console as a whole like you don't see any nintendo branding on it at all aside from the back of the controller where it's like all imprinted says nintendo and the bottom of the console says nintendo but all of the actual like like visible branding is all branded as sony it's all branded as playstation uh which is crazy uh it's super interesting uh one of the comments that i i it, one of the comments that or a, f- a few people comment as well that there's a really interesting podcast series called business wars uh and they specifically had like a six or a seven part series about this nintendo versus sony uh sony thing and it's interesting like i i don't know how it's hard to know how accurate it is because there i couldn't find sources for what they're saying but it's basically like um it's like telling the story of of how things fell apart, but then it kind of goes back into the history of Nintendo and into the history of Sony and, and these people that were really pivotal in, in making this partnership happen in the first place. And then it kind of goes into more as to why it fell apart. Um, but I've been, I'm about halfway through that, and it's super interesting. But, yeah, the expo as a whole was really, really cool. And it was interesting because I walked in thinking that this was a waste of 25 bucks. And I walked in with this super va- – or I walked out with this super, like like, this is a really cool experience that I'll, like, remember forever because how many fucking people – can say that they got to hold this thing or got to play Super Mario Kart on the one existing copy of the, the Sony uh, slash Nintendo PlayStation. Like Unreal. Um, yeah, it was super See, cool. Sony was doing crossplay play for
0: anybody, so I don't know why everyone's
1: so angry. <laughs> it's because I can't play Fortnite with my friends on the other console.
0: But you could play Mario Kart on the PlayStation with your friends.
1: Right. Uh, and then maybe if... If they open up, if they open up to Fortnite, maybe they'll open up to Monster Hunter and then I won't need to worry about what console I get it on. Yeah. But by the time I get it, everyone will have moved on from Monster Hunter. So it doesn't really well, matter. Well,
0: yeah, well, the Switch version's coming out in like a month. You could start all over again with us.
1: But that's not Monster Hunter World. No, but everyone says want, Generations is better anyway. Yeah, Monster Hunter World looks really good, though. Like, it's really pretty. Yeah. Both of them are fun. I still play Monster Hunter World yeah. regularly. Yeah. So, uh, But yeah, that's 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 been my week in gaming. It was an interesting week. Uh, it was a it was a useful week. I'm super. Uh, at, I'm stoked, Michaela. Like, I I feel like I still, as much as I do this stuff, and as long as I've been doing this stuff for, I get can sometimes get shy around some of these people and which sucks. And it's, I know it's dumb, but you know, whatever. Um, but she just went up to this guy, like chatted him up. He said he was a super nice guy, which was funny. Cause he kind of had a boot, he had a booth there too. And that's kind of where you went to, like, you could see it, you could play it, um, uh, and blah, blah, blah. But he kind of just looked really grumpy. But it, I think he's just got like, I think he's got like a bit of resting bitch face because, <laughs> as soon as you talk like he looks really he looked really grumpy and then as soon as you talk to him like he'd seem like the nicest dude and he would just he would like like talk to you for like all fucking day if you wanted it sounded like and so i'm glad that you talked to him because it sounds like uh i think that would be a. Pr- we haven't done guests before i think that would be a pretty cool guess
0: yeah i think so too if you that'd be awesome if you could get that put together, totally
1: yeah i think that'd be but, really interesting <laughs> yeah no definitely it's a super interesting story uh and i would love to hear it again um But yeah, yeah. Aside from that's, I think that's our gaming, uh, that's our week in gaming. Um, but in terms of the news, um, a little bit of news this week, not nothing too crazy. It's always a little bit of a lull after E3. Um, probably the most exciting piece for me this week. And, and it's something that I know we've talked about again and again and again, and we especially mentioned it or I especially mentioned it several times during the Detroit become human, um, the Detroit become human episode, uh, is that telltale games have got to the point where their engine is so old, their engine is so clunky. Um, the level of polish has just fallen significantly because they are using this insanely old engine and they're pumping out game after game, after game, after game. And, uh, they have uh, reportedly, they are ditching their engine. Um, it's a variety, uh, actually noted this earlier. So Telltale is moving away from using their own engine, uh, which is called Telltale Tool, which they've used. Uh, let's see. It uh, doesn't say what that first game was, but it's been in use for about 15 years. Uh, but apparently this year's The Walking Dead, the final season, will be the last... Uh, the last game that was built with the Telltale engine. So they're switching over to Unity instead, which should lead to kind of more scalable games, probably better and more polished graphics and the Telltale games. I remember writing the reviews for the first season of The Walking Dead game and talking about how perfect they were, like, like Atmosphere-wise and plot-wise, and just talking about how clunky they were and how how many technical issues they had, and that was in like that was years ago, and it's they're still using that same engine, and it was clunky then. So for them to be moving and you know for them to realize okay like we need to move on, and for them to move on, and especially to use such a like an industry-wide platform instead of using something on their own, like that means they're going to be able to rip this stuff out much faster, I think, and, and I'm all for that. I've kind of stopped playing a lot of the Telltale games because they. I, they were, when that first Walking Dead game came out, I feel like they were very, those games were few and far between, and they all had such a high standard of quality, but now I feel like there's four or five games running at whatever time, and it's just hard to keep up with, and, and also they, the, technically they've gotten so um, they're, they're, they feel so dated now, so I'm excited for things to get, they like, to feel a little bit more fresher with uh, the move to Unity. Yeah, and like with the Telltale games, I got into them kind of late, but
0: at that point, there was already like so many. Like once I started, I think, I think Walking Dead season two had been out for a couple of years when I first started. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. So it's like I started playing Walking Dead season one and Wolf Among Us, and it's like they all just felt exactly the same. So I had a lot of trouble like jumping from one to the other. I was like, I played one, and then a year later, I would pick up another. So I'm <sighs> totally to yeah hear. yeah. I'm excited to hear that they're kind of moving on to a new system because I was already kind of tired of it. Years ago, and that was already. And when I started, like I said, that was already years after it had been out. Totally, yeah,
1: yeah. And well, they were and so so
0: many games all at once too that it became hard to keep up with because they had little what they had two Batman games, right? And then they had Guardians of the Galaxy, they had Wolf Among
1: Us, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Minecraft Story Mode, yeah, uh, like so many Borderlands, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and so it's, I mean, it's a good time because they also, a few months ago, they announced that The Wolf Among Us Season 2, which I never thought was going to happen in the first place, but it was delayed. And it looks like that game will actually be using the Unity engine instead, which is good. Um, and I was super excited for them to announce it was just a few weeks ago, but they announced that they're working with Netflix on a Stranger Things game. And I love the shit out of Stranger Things. Like, Stranger Things is like, uh, it's one of my favorite things in the entire world, I would say. Um, But uh, their Stranger Things game will debut next year, and uh, it will be the first to run Unity, essentially. Uh, So I'm stoked on that. Nice. Yeah, I just heard about that today, too. For whatever (laughs) reason, I would guess
0: I just completely missed it. But yeah. Biggest news that I really had was actually just, I just saw it like right when we were starting. So we didn't talk about it too much off air. But it was Sombra's rework that she's getting in Overwatch, which... They've been doing that a lot lately where they've been reworking a lot of characters. Like Hanzo just got one. Symmetra got a second rework recently. And now with Sombra, like for me, it was hard to use her because her skills were hacking and she was able to turn invisible and uh, teleport to whatever spot that she would put her translocator at. But her translocator would only be on like a 10 or 15 second timer. And if you didn't teleport back by then, it would just be gone and you'd be stranded wherever you were. And her invisibility would only last for like eight seconds. So it felt like they were good tools, but you had to like rush to use them or you would waste them and get stranded and killed. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they're reworking her now where both her stealth and translocator are going to be infinite. And on top of that, she's going to be able to destroy the translocator if she wants to put it somewhere else. Cause before you were just stuck wherever it was at until the timer ran out. Uh, but the trade off for it is that her or her increase in speed when she's invisible is decreased by 25% and she'll no longer be able to contest the objective when she's invisible. So now, because Hmm. before one thing people would do was turn invisible and stand on the point to hold it for the, the rest of the team to get there. But people wouldn't realize she was there because she's invisible. But now that it's not on a timer, they didn't want it, I guess, to be like this, like an infinite, ability to where she could just hold it without anyone ever seeing her the whole time so to the trade-off now is she can't contest while invisible but i think i think that's a huge game changer because that pretty much erases <laughs> all of the problems that i had playing as her in the main game so i feel like her primary role which is to be able to sneak behind enemy lines and like disable the abilities of some of the more uh troublesome characters is going to be a lot easier to pull off with these changes. And I think the nerf to her ability to contest objectives and the nerf to her running speed are very, very small prices to pay for her new, like just to be able to give her the flexibility that I feel like she's needed from the beginning. Right. I was pretty excited to read about that. Do you, do you play
1: Overwatch a lot or not really? No, I tried it a couple times and I liked it, but then I've never played it since. I should probably try it again.
0: Yeah. I feel like it's hard to, it's kind of an intimidating game to get into, especially now that it's been out for two years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I could see that. And there's no, yeah, there's no like, is there a bots mode or anything? Like, can you play offline at all to kind of practice or get into it, or is it solely online? Well, you
0: can't play offline, but there is a bots mode
1: while you're online. Okay. I see. So you could choose to play just with bots, kind of.
0: Yeah, I think you're still part. You're still paired with other people. I see. But it's like a team of people against a team of bots, so it still gives you the opportunity to practice. And there's also a training mode where you could just run through and shoot like mm. shoot targets, essentially, and just get a
1: hang of the abilities and everything. I see. Yeah, maybe I'll- I should give it another go. Uh, another piece I was excited for. I don't know why I'm excited for this, but I've so since the Fallout. 76 like i don't know if it was the teaser it must have been the teaser but there was a uh a as yet to be kind of there's no info on it yet like they haven't announced who the actual artist was but there was a cover of the country roads classic by john denver never knew i liked that song it's been stuck in my head for like a month since then but specifically that version of it um they have announced so it's not released yet you can't listen to it on spotify or apple music can't buy it on itunes can't it's it's on just YouTube basically people have cut the song out of the trailer and and have played it but uh, this cover of uh, Country Roads. It's going to be hitting iTunes on July 4th, the birth of your nation, uh, America. And actually, all the proceeds from purchases of the song are actually going to be donated to Habitat for Humanity, um, which, you know, I feel like it's kind of a good tie-in. Like, you need to rebuild America in Fallout 76, and uh, that's what Habitat for Humanity does as well. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, good day to launch it. Basically, I just am you know, the charity stuff's cool. I just want to listen to the song again because it's stuck in my head. I only know like four words and it would be nice to get a little bit more comfortable with it. Uh, and to have this official, I don't want to listen to the original, like whatever. It's way too countryish. Like it kind of had that fallout, fallout twist on it. And so uh, I, I really enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. And it prepares us to be able to rebuild America in real
1: life, <laughs> which it seems like we're moving closer and closer to needing to do. Right.
0: <laughs> but let's see. That's and fair. then, next on my side is that Rey Mysterio got announced for the special pre-order character for the WWE 2K19 video game. So I know we've talked about it in previous years, but for those unfamiliar every year, they have a special pre-order character. That's usually like some big legend or a person who's not even in the company. Like in previous years, I think Brock Lesnar was like the first big one. And that was before Brock was with the company. He was still in UFC at the time, if I remember correctly. Um, Kurt Angle was in it right before they signed him. Uh, Sting was in it right before they signed him. Mike Tyson, I think, was one year when he was getting inducted in the Hall of Fame. So like the the Ultimate Warrior, that was his first return to the company in like over a decade when he was added to the game as the pre-order character. So it's like they always have these big surprises for the pre-order character, and it usually ends up playing out in real life, too. I think Goldberg was the last big one where he was part of the video game and he famously still had nothing to do with WWE itself, but the video game company negotiated to put Goldberg in the game on their own. And that segued into WWE contacting him and actually coming back and winning the championship again in
1: real life. Which I feel like was a great storyline. I still really, that, like, looking back on all the, like, neat things that have happened, I feel like that run and and his promos during that time, I feel like those are some of the, like, the most memorable moments for me so far.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I wasn't even really a big Goldberg fan back in his heyday, but I thought his return was amazing. But unfortunately, it led to, the end results of his return was to this black hole of a championship reign that Brock Lesnar's had ever since he beat Goldberg. (laughs) Where he's, it will never end did you see that did you see that news story where it's like uh lesnar finds universal titan <laughs> i just couch or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah that was pretty great
0: but yeah like but with that said i feel like we've kind of we've pretty much ran out of characters that they can really surprise us with because i yeah, think like fair. mysterio is a character that's been in the game before and not that long ago either and you know the news has been pretty frequent that he's been already been in negotiations to come back to the company so like it's not as exciting as like a goldberg or a ultimate warrior after they had been out of the company for so long but then again yeah like we were saying is there really anybody left at that magnitude that they could really surprise us with i feel like they've pretty much hit all their uh like if cm punk were to be a pre-order character that <laughs> would be crazy that,
1: that's like the one that'll surprise you that's the big yeah one. or if
0: it was like someone outside the company like a. Uh... Kenny Omega or Kazuchika <laughs> Okada as a play as like a pre order character, but which is probably not going to happen anytime yeah, soon. Despite WWE's apparent pushes to like hire Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks recently, but that's beside the point. Yeah, but I mean it's cool. The trailer. Did you see the trailer for it though?
1: I did. Yeah, I yeah. thought. Yeah, with everyone pulling the masks off. Yeah, I thought
0: that was really really yeah. well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the trailer itself was really really cool, and it made Mysterio look like such a big deal which and totally their trailers did, every yeah. year for their pre-order bonuses are always really well done. I thought,
1: I mean, I feel like, I feel like the trailers for the WWE games are better than the WWE. Oh, games. definitely. <laughs> like they're like the, like the Snoop dog, the Snoop dog trailer last year. Like that was fucking dope. And then the actually last year was a huge improvement from the previous year though, unless you played on switch.
0: Yeah. The switch kind of sucked up the terribleness from all the other versions
1: yeah so hopefully i mean it's these games are always interesting because i feel like they announced them we're now june so we're like about four months away from the release of the game and of course we haven't seen a screenshot we haven't seen a trailer uh last year was a big change in the graphics of the game it still looks kind of bad compared to like most sports games so you know is that something that's going to continue this year are they going to work on some of the other stuff um you know, it, I, I feel like this series specifically. Like, I feel like you don't know anything until it's so close to the actual release, um, which is always odd feeling. I mean, I fucking I buy it anyways. I'm gonna buy it on day one. But um, you know, I, I don't remember the last time I played 2K18, but I can't play it to buy a 2K19. Yeah. and see, I I used to buy wrestling games
0: every year, but I think it was after WWE 2K12 but after that I was like, I can't do this anymore. They're all bad. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right right they don't like they have all these uh,
0: obvious they, glaring problems and then they never get fixed so it's like yeah <laughs> like hopefully this one i for the wrestling games i usually wait for word of mouth and if word of mouth says it's still glitchy and like and a chore to play or whatever then i don't get it but if the word of mouth is like oh this is really fun and it's really improved then i'll end up getting it but i haven't bought a wrestling game in a really long time
1: Uh, well and i feel like like the wwe game is like both 20 both 2k 17 and 2k 18 they were like half off for like a weekend like a month or two after it came out so i was like i could have waited um maybe this week may and then i keep telling myself this year i'll wait but i i know myself and i know that that won't happen um Hopefully, like, the big thing was that it, it felt like, and the speculation was that 2K18 was going to be the year that was, like, prepping us for, like, loot boxes next year. Oh, God. And they were so skimpy on, like, the, what is what is the currency called? Like, battle points or something?
0: But did it, didn't the last one have some kind of a big, like, pay to... Like microtransaction thing with it, where like something about the creative character stat points or something, because I remember hearing people complaining about it.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. I never get. I don't really usually get into the creative character stuff, but I just feel like in a match, the the currency that you would earn in two K eighteen versus two K seventeen was like It felt like a tenth of the currency, and all the character unlocks were. The same, like, felt like they, they were the same. They, they were the same cost, and I mean, it worked. Like, I bought the accelerator pack so I could unlock all the characters, basically, so I could play multiplayer, like, with my the friends on my couch, like, with more than five characters. But, um, you know that I mean, that's I just gave them what they wanted, and so now they're gonna make it worse. Right. You, this is your. I should have earned it. It's probably all my fault. I I rarely buy DLC. Like the if I think back on DLC that I've purchased, it's been. Uh, the Bioshock, uh, infinite, uh, burial at sea expansion. It's been the Witcher three expansions and this accelerator pack for two K 18. Like that <laughs> is a huge that, qu- I think those discrepancy are the... in
0: quality there. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's like you go from, yeah, it's yeah, like you go right. from the Witcher to Bioshock to WWE. 2K18. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm just, uh, I'm falling for their traps. Um, so aside from that, uh, I thought it was interesting that they, I, I haven't invested in Nintendo Labo yet, even though it looks like so much fun, anybody else even has though, either. which is sad because it's so cool. I feel like it's so unique and it's so interesting and it's like a great, like, I don't know. I mean, it's for kids, it's for kids, but. As an adult, it looked like it, it looks like it would be super fun to take it from the store, to build, to play with for five to ten minutes, and then to put away. Like, that would be a great like day. Forever. Um Probably. I mean, knowing me. <laughs> uh, but uh, they announced yesterday that they have now, there's a new update for Mario Kart 8, and you can now play Mario Kart 8 using the Toy-Con motorbike handlebars. Um, I thought that was cool. I, I it would be interesting. It's that's the first kind of. I think that's the first real functionality for like an actual full game, uh, if I remember correctly. And I feel like that's pretty neat. And that's something that I mean, I would never use it. And I like I never use tilt controls. Like I take my art seriously, so you're not going to see me playing with a wheel around my controller or some plastic or some cardboard handlebars. You should do it just to um, give everyone else a chance. I mean, I would probably. Yeah, actually, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna only play in tilt mode from now on. There you go. because uh, <laughs> I don't want to buy a Nintendo Labo. Um <laughs> But uh yeah, I thought that was cool. It would be neat to see like will other games get uh Toy Con functionality? Um I feel like Nintendo does a pretty good job of pushing their their latest thing or or making sure it's compatible with as many uh, titles as possible. And I feel like it'd be cool if they continued to with This certainly couldn't help sale or certainly couldn't hurt sales for the items. So, um, kind of a, kind of a small piece, but I thought that was, I, I thought that was worth noting. Cause I thought that was cool.
0: Mm, yeah. I mean, it looks cool, but I'm still not buying it. That's fair. Like, me I don't neither. think, I don't think anything's going to get
1: me to buy Labo to be honest. But, <laughs> and I, and I buy everything and I don't, I'm not that interested mm-hmm, in that. Yeah. But I mean, it's cool for those who have it. And
0: then the last piece of news that I was going to cover was that the July PlayStation Plus games were announced, which had a couple of interesting entries. Um, On PS3 was Deception 4, The Nightmare Princess, and Rayman 3 HD, which I don't think is anything terribly shocking. On Vita, which (laughs) if people still remember that exists, is Space Overlords, which I've never heard of, and Zero Escape, Zero Time Dilemma, which... I'm thrilled that I didn't buy that game. I almost caved and bought it like a thousand times over between flash sales and actually seeing it in person, but now it's free. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad I didn't. And now I there can add it to the collection of its two, pre- and complete the collection of the Zero Escape games, and it can join the other two games as games that I'll own and not play. But I really want to, who knows if I'll ever get to.
1: <laughs> uh question my fiance and i were talking some for some reason we were talking about the uh, vita this morning is the vita still being sold or is it done is it discontinued I,
0: I if i remember correctly sony announced they were discontinuing it like earlier this year
1: was that was that the vita though i thought it was i thought they announced that they were not producing any more physical games
0: um i think it might have been both let me might have both.
1: check I mean, the, the fact that we don't know means that if it's not discontinued, it probably should be. Yeah,
0: well, now here's a report that I'm reading that says that Sony was saying back in April that they were going to discontinue the system altogether sometime this year. Okay,
1: I see. And they
0: also announced, I don't remember when, but I think it was sometime this year, they were going to stop uh, releasing free games on PlayStation Plus for both Vita and PS3, if I remember. Oh,
1: that. okay,
0: yeah. Oh, it said starting on March 8th, 2019, PlayStation Plus will no longer include Vita and PS3 titles, it says. Okay.
1: I wonder if that means they're will they going to add, are they going to offer more PS4 titles or what at that point? That's interesting. I feel like, like, Xbox has done a su- superb job with the games with gold, like two years ago or whatever once they made it so every you know every game is backwards compatible that's that's a 360 game like it just feels like and it both services have their hit or miss months but i feel like like you get so much with the xbox gold subscription
0: yeah and like in the case of the playstation like i feel like playstation plus even back on the ps3 and when it first started it was always a way to just get their consumer base used to paying a monthly subscription, so that when they eventually started charging for online play, they would be able to ease them in easier than as as opposed to just charging all of a sudden.
1: That makes sense. So, and
0: I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I was a part of a, fro- a focus group years ago before PlayStation Plus existed that where they were <laughs> asking me those very questions: if I would sign up for a subscription if it had free games, and if I would do it for an online service, and and that kind of stuff so I know that's why they and immigrated. you said yes and so
1: it's your fault Yeah, it is my fault
0: actually I think I said no but I don't <laughs> remember um, but and then and the story I'm reading too it does say that the Vita had already been discontinued at the beginning of this year in Spain and in other and potentially other parts of Europe so in different regions it was already being discontinued as of the beginning of this year apparently
1: okay yeah
0: yeah so yeah seems like it's pretty much gone and they didn't tell anybody which sounds about right but but yeah, and then like the other, the last two games that were being, uh, that were being given away for PlayStation Plus for July was as I go back to it because I was on the other page, um, Absolver on PS4, which uh, another game I have no idea what that is, and Heavy Rain, which was really interesting because Beyond Two Souls came out the month after Detroit, and then two months later, uh, Heavy Rain's being given for free after Detroit, so pretty much. <laughs> all of their PlayStation exclusive games have been given away on PlayStation plus aside from Detroit itself, of course. And I thought it was interesting too, because I didn't follow Detroit too much until we actually were playing it for the episode. But some people were saying that there was a deluxe edition of Detroit where it came, like if you paid $80, it came with some extra stuff, including um, heavy rain, like a digital copy of heavy rain. And some people are saying, Oh, like, Oh, I feel stupid for, I gave him 20 extra dollars for heavy rain. And then a month later, they just gave it to everyone for free. So that really sucks. But <laughs>
1: yeah, that's I fair. kind
0: of want to play. I rarely play games a second time, but I kind of want to play it again just to see how much it aged like I had said on the Detroit episode that he- heavy, yeah, heavy rain. I had said, on, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah, I, I
1: think so. I was just going to no, say go on ahead. the
0: Detroit episode, I said that it was my favorite game that they made and it was the only one that I even that I enjoyed at all. But I kind of want to see right. how it compares to Detroit now that some time's passed. Especially the, did you ever play it? I don't remember if you said
1: Heavy Rain. I did when it first came out. I don't remember it at all. And like my fiance enjoyed have, uh, enjoyed Beyond, fuck enjoyed Detroit Become Human so much that I've been like eyeing the Heavy Rain slash Beyond Two Souls two pack because I feel like both I would like to play through both of those again because I haven't i've played through either since they first came out and i really did enjoy them both uh when they came out but also she's not got to experience them at all and and this type of game felt like it. i don't know if it was the subject matter or the game itself but it seemed to really jive with her so i feel like it would be good up good experience there as well
0: yeah i would love a report from her about what happens in her playthrough of heavy rain
1: well that's all the that's all the convincing i need There you go. You
0: just gotta wait you just gotta hold out like three more days and get it for free so don't give in and buy it now
1: that means i gotta subscribe to playstation plus Oh, that's right
0: well, whatever, you either pay twenty dollars for the game or like fifty dollars for plus, and you have it. Yeah, that's true. Not not just that, but I was thinking the thing that's going to be the hardest to get used to in Heavy Rain again is how bad the child acting is in that game. I don't know if you remember, but <laughs> I like don't they all remember. sound like robots. Like they were just literally reading off a of paper, and they could barely read as it is. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. Like it just sounded so bad. Like there are some dramatic scenes involving kids, <laughs> and it sounded like so mechanical and.
1: Horrible. Oh, like, no it can
0: ruin the scene. So I'm kind of wondering, like, especially with, you know, Detroit had some really good child acting in it. And then we were talking about yeah. God of War a little while ago. And like, going back to that, I wonder how it's going to be. It was bad. It was bad like 10 well, years ago. So I'm sure it'll be even worse. Now.
1: <laughs> well, I am looking forward to trying it out again. All right. So a couple last quick pieces of news. uh Super weird, but uh there's a new update coming for Super Bomberman R. And. In that update, you're going to have actually, there's four new playable characters, and that is three characters from Metal Gear. So you got Raiden, you got Solid Snake, and you've got Naked Snake, and both snakes are actually voiced by David Hayter, interestingly enough. Um, so Metal Gear's not dead, guys. Metal Gear is back. <laughs> in and it's back, in, it's back in Bomberman form. Uh, and also, surprising, super exciting, uh, I i am excited to play bomberman r again i it's been a long time i have it already which is great i've got it on switch it's been a long time since i've pulled it out but i will probably pull it out soon because uh wwe superstar xavier woods has joined the cast of bomberman uh, so there's a new bomber it's called xavier woods bomber and it is actually voiced by xavier woods himself uh it's a kind of a weird mix, like like Xavier Woods and three dudes from Metal Gear. Like, like it's odd to have all of that in the same update. But uh, I'm excited yeah. for that.
0: And I saw a lot of people surprised that David Hayter was reprising his character, and everyone was like, "Oh, I guess Konami's trying to get on everyone's good side again." But I think a lot of people are forgetting that it was a Kojima decision and not a Konami decision to get rid of Hayter. So that's true. And he's and I think we talked about it before, but he's also going to revoice Snake in
1: Smash Brothers.
0: So going forward, yep, it seems yep. like he is once again the definitive voice of Solid. <laughs> He's Snake. back. This Kiefer Sutherland thing is just yes. a one-off.
1: I wish they, if they re-released Metal Gear Solid Five, but with David Hayter as the voice, I think I would forgive them for silent. I
0: House. mean, knowing Konami, like, couldn't they just do like a fifty dollars DLC pack where he just revoices everything? It, actually, though, I haven't played it yet, so I don't know if this is true or not. But I remember hearing that Snake talks very little in that game, so it might not even matter. They're probably paying... That's true. I, like, I played a... They're probably paying I don't keepers are doing
1: by the word and they're just trying to keep it short. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and the last piece of news, so going hand in hand, sort of with the PlayStation Plus announcements. Uh, no, no word on Xbox Gold yet this month, but they have announced the new games for Xbox Game Pass for July. Um, there are nine titles coming uh, and that's like we just got in the past couple of weeks, Fallout 4, the Division, The Elder Scrolls Online, all of those have been added to Game Pass, which is pretty awesome. Um, so this month, we will see a bunch of games. And then they've also noted that on Inside Xbox on July 10th, they're going to be adding, they're going to be revealing another exciting edition. So I wonder if it's like specifically pointing out a, a, that day and how it apparently is big enough to announce on Inside Xbox. I wonder if that'll be one of the like major uh, Xbox exclusives that has already been released, you know, something like Forza Horizon 3 to get get everyone into the series before Horizon 4 comes out or... You know, they did They did advertise or they did uh, tease the Master Chief collection uh, earlier this month or last month. So maybe we're going to... I feel like for that one, they're probably waiting for the Xbox One X update. And so maybe that's coming soon along with the Game Pass edition. Hard to say, but we'll find out on July 10th. But the games that will be added this month, there's some good stuff in there. So we've got Dirt 4. Uh, we've got Zombie Army Trilogy. We've got Abzu, which I've is heard like, excellent things about. Is that like Buff uh, Shadow Comp. I do not know. <laughs> uh, it, I get the joke now. I get it now. It's funny. Uh, Shadow Complex Remastered, uh, The Elder Scrolls IV Oblivion, Fallout 3, which is going to be really hard to not just ignore every other game and play that one instead. Uh, something called Human Fall Flat, which I've heard excellent things about the co-op uh, experience on that one or the local local multiplayer. Uh, and then you've got Bomber Crew. Uh, and on July 11th, the day that it comes out, it's the first big, big, big Third parties that's day and date on Game Pass, but uh Warhammer Vermintide two is also releasing on Game Pass, uh the very day that it releases. So you can pay eighty dollars for it or you can uh grab it on the Game Pass instead. You said eighty dollars
0: and I was so confused and then I remembered you're in Canada. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like why is that game so expensive? Is that some sort of uh fancy collector's edition? Yeah, right. Uh no, that is the price of a game in Canada.
0: Speaking of, I saw a whole display of chewy Chips Ahoy cookies and they still have the Sea of Thieves advertisements on
1: it. I think that they're supposed to for a while, because the codes are good until December. The codes are probably good for longer than. I don't know about
0: are. that. Those cookies I think stay good for like seven years. <laughs>
1: okay. Well that I mean, is the packaging scary. says
0: like within six months, but let's be real. Have you seen those videos where people put like they store a Happy Meal for like ten years, and they pull it out. It looks exactly the same.
1: Look, like the fries and stuff yeah. look just like they did. Yeah, they're just out of the fryer. Yeah, super fucking weird. America. I mean that that happens yeah, in but Canada too. Just to say, it's America. Uh, speaking of America, I uh, it might have been last week now, but I when I last time I was there, I brought up a few extra packets of Szechuan sauce with me for special occasions because it never made it to Canada, and I had a pack the other day. And it was glorious. Um, but I also found that one of the packs opened up and leaked and was crushed. So I was quite heartbroken. Well,
0: but I mean, now you just got to spread it everywhere. So if you ever want to face <laughs> it again, you can lick
1: the carpet or something.
0: That's true. That's true.
1: Um, that's almost it. We're almost done. Mission objective for the week. Uh, this is a pretty broad one, but I thought it was an interesting question because I don't think, like, often we talk about what we've been playing and what we've enjoyed or not enjoyed about that. But uh this week, the question is: What do you love about video games? What makes you play them? And for me, I think the more the more that I think about it,
0: and especially after playing the Splatoon expansion, I think primarily I just like to be challenged and distracted in a way. Like it, I like to feel accomplished when I'm playing games, but I also like to feel accomplished in a in the context of a in the context of a setting that I can't experience in real life. So, like in that sense. I that's part of the reason why I think I can't get into like sports games. Cause that's something obviously is not at a professional level, but if I really wanted to go play basketball, I could just do it. But right. I can't, you know, I can't turn into a octopus person and like run around shooting, like shooting aliens or whatever. <laughs>
1: not with that attitude. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely not with that attitude. I don't think I have the stomach for it. Like, I don't like being in the subway for longer than 20 minutes, let alone like seven eight <laughs> hours. So I, but yeah, just like that, like, I like being able to kind of explore these imaginative imaginative, like worlds and environments that I can't do in real life. And I like to be challenged. I like to be able to put a lot of thought into the games. But more than anything, I just like to, even if it's not challenging, I just like to have fun with it. Like that's like kind of my main, yep. like main goal with any game is just to have fun, which is why. I think it's kind of reflected in some of my game favorite game choices like probably my favorite game ever is like No Mercy and like No Mercy. Right. It looks like yeah, yeah. even at the time it looked like shit like it's kind <laughs> of but it was just so much fun to play and I, I we played that my friends and I played that game every day for like a year and a half. We would do our own pay-per-views every month. It was like That's it was like awesome. so so cool and that just at the end of the day it was just so much fun to play. And, you know, and it was always like we would always get better every week. So we would always kind of be pushing ourselves to get better at the game. So it was really, really cool. So, and that kind of just carries with everything I play, I think.
1: It's interesting because I feel like it depends on the game. Like there's like you mentioned, for instance, you mentioned the fun aspect. And there's a lot of games that, you know, they're they're purely just just so much fun. And, you know, going right back to like when I was a kid, like being able to play playing the Tony Hawk series with like my elementary school friends like those are some of the best gaming memories that I have and I don't know like I don't know if it's something where because it was you're 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 beside your friends and you're playing with them and you're trying to beat their score but they're and they're interested in what you're doing but they don't want you to beat that score like there's just all of these moments that are so memorable um and so much fun like playing those games. It was just an unbelievable time or playing things like Mario party, uh, back when it was like a competitive and less cooperative game, like just trying to fuck your friends over. Like, I don't know why that's fun, but it was super fun. And I'm excited for the new Mario party to kind of bring that back. Um, but then on the flip side of that it's for me I feel like it's not so much the challenge like I enjoy a challenge but the thing that draws me in typically and and just like you said it probably reflects in a lot of the games that I choose to play or a lot of the games that really stick with me or or that connect with me but I just really enjoy like the stories in games and the connection to the characters and and, and I mean, I, I probably play a lot of those games for the same reason that I watch a show or I or I watch a movie. But the that level of connection with the character, especially in, you know, in, in games when you are, you know, directly in charge of the choices that they make or what happens to them. Like, it's just a, it's another level of immersion and another level of connection that you don't get with another. we You don't get with any other medium um, because you are you are that character and and you are going what through what they're going through and and yeah it's i feel like for me and and as i like a challenge i love you know i love games that look pretty things like god of war it's sometimes it's just like you just have to spin that camera around and look at what is going on around you because just these these worlds that these people are that these artists are creating are spectacular and it's something that i feel like being in control of it and being able to move that camera around on your own, like it's a whole nother level of artistry from, you know, as an extremely controlled frame of a film, for instance, like it's, it's incredible what some of these studios and some of these artists are able to do. Um, and, and sometimes it's just, you're just sitting there in awe of what's in front of you. Uh, but yeah, yeah obviously i want it to be fun but i feel like the biggest thing for me is that atmosphere and that story and i feel like that's why games like life is strange and games like the, like when i think about some of my favorite games it's stuff like fallout 3 and the last of us and life is strange and the first season of walking dead and those are all games that they're my favorite like i don't remember playing the game but i remember how i felt when i experienced the story of it um so i think that's i think that's it for me yeah for sure it's a big reason with that we are done i think that is it that is the end of level 159 and we wow jesus we are just two of us still talk for two hours so uh once we edit
0: once we edit it down it'll be like
1: like an hour and 55 minutes yeah (laughs) uh i don't know but yeah that's it for this episode uh where can we find you josh
0: uh you can find me at inu joshua at all gaming and social media platforms and especially if you're playing blaze blue cross tag battle i'm desperate to play people <laughs> so add me let me
1: know Ah, uh, and i am at uh, D. Cranevelt on twitter i am captain k 17 across gaming platforms um naturally you'll find all of us on geekscape.net uh there's a several facebook groups you can join Geekscape Forever, uh, where we, you know, that's kind of the Geekscape general area, Uh, the Geekscape Games group, where we often will post about, uh, you know, things we're doing. Sometimes we post these to Twitch as we're going live, and uh, that'll be on there as well. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, and the Geekscape Forever Instagram. Um, We're all over the place, and we're going to be in San Diego soon. Very excited for that. But uh, I think that is a, uh, that's a pitch for a different week. So what do you say we call it? I think it's about time. Oh. All right. Thank you for listening and uh we'll see you soon. Virginia, Bye, everybody. Blue rich mountains, Shenandoah river. Life is all old, there, older than the trees, younger than the mountains, blowing like the breeze. Country roads, take